Have you ever considered having another child? Hi, my name is Felice Gerwitz, and One More Child is my story of personal growth and a journey of faith. In this book, I share snippets of my life and the reasons for the choices I made early on in marriage to limit our family size. However, the Lord had other plans, and eventually we made a decision to have more children, and this changed my life forever. I invite you to read One More Child, which is available on Amazon in print and Kindle. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. You've come to the right place. My name is Felice Skirwitz, and I'm your host. On the One More Child podcast, we'll talk about our daily struggles, faith, family, children, relationships, and whatever the Lord brings our way. One thing you can be sure of, I will share helpful solutions and encourage you along your journey in life. And best of all, I know without a shadow of a doubt that the truth will set you free. This is your personal invitation to join me weekly on the One More Child podcast. Welcome. Welcome to the One More Child podcast. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and today we are going to talk about trusting God for your family. And I know this may or may not be a popular topic, depending on who you are. Um, But today I have a very special guest um, who has the heartbreak of having miscarried um, in her life and also um, has a very strong Christian faith, and also I call her friend. Welcome, Cindy Rushton. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you for having Aww. me here. I'm so thankful. This is it, I love even the name of this podcast. It's so powerful. Well, it, it is all about being open to life, but it is also uh, being open to God's will in your life. And I, I really um, am appalled sometimes when I talk to people, and people will say things like, um, you know, I really am want to follow the Lord in everything, and uh, you know I want my will to be His will. But when it comes to kids, mm-hmm. I only want two, or I want a boy and a girl, or I'm going to you know wait, or whatever that is. And I always say, you know, have you gone to prayer and have you thought about it? Because I um, my story is one of how the Lord changed my heart, and I know you are in that same boat. So, Cindy, first of all, um, if people want to connect with you, uh, you have a website, cindyrushton.com. You also have several podcasts on this network. One is Iron Sharpening Iron, and the other is Mom to Mom. So um, look for those on this network. And, Cindy, you're going to be coming back soon and podcasting, so I'm super excited Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. Okay. And then um, they can connect with you on Facebook, and you've got, you know, some uh, great uh, work that you are doing um, in that realm as well. So if yeah. you connect with Cindy, yeah. um, you know, you can message her and she will get you connected to all of the things she's doing. You have a special uh, community uh, stepping up to your call that if people are yeah. interested in joining, uh, you'll put them in that group as well. But we're going to talk today about trusting God. And guys, the show notes for today's episode is onemorechildpodcast.com. Uh, trusting God for your family. Uh, Cindy, let's start with, 
you know, the fact that so many of us want to follow the Lord in every way except in the area of uh, giving over our, you know, fertility as women, you know, basically um, to to the Lord's will. Mm, absolutely. Well, you know, I think, honestly, some of us don't even realize that God has a will in that area. I mean, it seems obvious when you look back on it that he does, but I remember in particular growing up and, you know, my mom, um, she had, you know, three children, but she had cancer, so she um, couldn't have beyond the three, but she would have had as many as the Lord would have given her. She loved being a mother. And so she imparted that to me, but somewhere along the line, it seemed like there was a lot of pressure to have to and be done. You know, after all, we're mm-hmm. overpopulated, right? <laughs> right. And so um, that is another topic another day. But anyway, um, you know, my view was it was the responsible, the the right thing to do. And so, you know, I had my son and then had my daughter and I, I, my mindset was, well, if this is a little girl, because I knew I wanted a boy and a girl, if this is a little girl, I'm done. And I didn't even ask God what he thought about that. And um, mm-hmm. in fact, sadly, my first response to knowing it was a little girl was, well, praise God, go ahead and tie my tubes. I am mortified by the fact that that would come out of my mouth at a time when I'm birthing a precious daughter. And mm-hmm. so you can imagine the heartache whenever I realized that, hey, this is not, I didn't even ask God what he thought. And I, it wasn't that I didn't know that you could ask God about different areas of your life. It's just I didn't ask him anything about that. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it is kind of one of the first commands, be fruitful and multiply. But I don't guess, I, I, I don't think I realized that that was for me as well as for Adam and Eve, you know, in the Bible. And so, right. um I, as I, I began homeschooling and I was around families that got it. And um, I'll never forget one evening just going home with the dilemma of, oh, my goodness, I never asked God what he thought about this. And it kind of weighed on me for a few years. When Elizabeth was five, I got my tubal ligation reversed. And this is how funny it is. And somebody out here may need to hear this. I was able to go to my insurance and I had a $100 um, copay. And that was all it cost for me to get everything back, Wow, you know, and so um, I looked at it as, wow, $100, praise God, untie my tubes, and so um, I went through with it, and, but my story, the rest of that way was a very difficult story. I went through the next few years. I lost at least seven babies that I know of. The first pregnancy was a tubal pregnancy, which was really mortifying to me, and I'd never really walked through tough things like that. And, um, and it was, it was really, it was trying. It was a place of me getting angry at God, me getting angry. The world was so rude about it. It was kind of like, well, you can have another, you know, I'm like, hello, this was a child, a human being, a person that God made it, but in my womb, uh, uh, you know, really, come on, you guys, that does not help. Don't say things like that, by the way, if anybody wants to have a big corner, but, um, you know, it was going through all of that. And um, it was all of a sudden I read Psalm 139 in a different way that God so knows us and he knows every person he plans and wills to create such a personal way that he knows them 
and 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 places the opportunities for them to be conceived in the womb. And he knows their days before there's even one. That means he's involved in that part of it. And whatever that may mean to someone, this means that if you can trust God, you can trust God with your fertility, with your reproduction, with your family size. He he doesn't have plans to hurt you, to harm you, to to take away your hope and your future and, and ruin your life and, and all the things that I think people just don't realize God does will to give you hope, a future, to prosper you, to bless you. And to me, the greatest of all blessings and all the things I have had, all the accomplishments I've had, my greatest blessings are my children and my grandchildren, the, the blessing of being able to see my children fulfill their callings in life, to seeing them um, bless other people, those are things that, you know, you just can't measure. That that goes beyond any blessing I've ever had. And it's the one thing no one can ever take away from me, if that makes sense. Mm. And no, so um, do, do we believe God is a God who is going to zap you? Because I think some of the mentality of, oh, goodness, I'm pregnant, is coming from, did God just zap me and, and, and do something that I don't want? Well, why don't we want that? Well, you know, I think our culture has, we've been, we have bought in to an awful lot of the lies of the culture about children and about family. And, and I believe we're at a season right now where God is wanting to turn the hearts of the fathers and the mothers back towards their homes, towards their children, towards family, towards legacy. And, if we can really grasp that, I think that we will we will really live the life that really matters. We have a story as Christians that goes beyond the stories of other worldviews in our culture. And and let me just say this: the enemy, Satan. I'm, I'm a just I am a I'm an unashamed Christian. I believe from the bottom of my heart that the enemy is going to strike out at anything that's on the heart of God, anything that blesses God and that honors and glorifies him. So the fact that there is a battle for the womb and for trusting God, I mean, we look now and we live in a postmodern, post-Christian, pluralistic society here in America. I mean, I don't want to have to say that. I always wanted to believe it was Christian, but we are not there anymore. And we have to wake mm-hmm. up that our kids, I mean, not my kids, not your kids, but the kids, the younger generation in our culture, they have been trained up with ideas that make them open to a whole lot of things except God. And right. it makes them open and it makes them resistant and even hostile to some of the things like, you know, trusting God with your birth control, you know, and yet I think the church, we have to wake up. I mean, I just finished a class. And I think you and I were talking about this. We, I right. just finished this class on, um, on the church as God's transformative agent in the world. And it wasn't exactly the class I thought it was going to be, but it was so much more. And um, one of the things that they were talking about was the state that the culture's in. And it can make you go, whoa, this is really bad stuff. However, the state we're in has forced Christians to wake up and to say, okay, wait, we do have answers for this. There is truth. There is identity. There is, there is a purpose to life. 
And we can't let everybody just believe that there's not. And that's mm-hmm. some of the battle that has waged, and it's waged politically. Of all things, you know, we we didn't have to wage war politically for many generations. Now it's like there's this fight between right and wrong, and darkness, and right. and, and and godliness, and there's just so, so good and evil. You see it so so out there. I mean, all you have to do is turn on Facebook wow. for a moment or CNN. But, you know, we now think that the church has to wage the war politically. And that's where we're, we're we've, we've went aside from how God really transforms culture. He, he really transforms culture by us having ourselves in a place of revival and to where we have something someone wants. Okay, so they see a happy marriage. How did you get that? And and they they go, I want to know, I want to learn from you. Or they see children that are just so um, on fire for God and the family, like I, I've said it all through the years, I, I, there are some families that I can be right in the middle of a shopping store like Walmart. And they catch my attention because you can see the happiness of that home. Well, what made it like that? Usually it's because they are very clear of their life purpose and their, their, the value of children, the value of the wife, the value of the husband. It, it's not been re-educated by the culture. And right now our culture is actually needing some re-education, <laughs> which is why does. I love your That's podcast. For sure. <laughs> right, right. That's my rant. But, you just opened me up. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because, you know, there's so many things I, I want to go back and, and talk about that you've shared. And the first is that we don't even realize that we should even ask the Lord. And I think that happened in my life as well. You know, sometimes mm. we want to put point uh, blame, like, well, I didn't hear it at church, or I didn't hear it here, or, you know, I didn't grow up hearing that. Well, in our family, I did grow up hearing that, you know, that kids were a blessing and that, you know, we needed to be open to that. But, you know, going to mm-hmm. school, going to college, a lot of that changed in my life because you were told about, you know, you need to be empowered as women and, you know, you need to stand up for yourself and so forth, so on. You know, we don't want to get trampled on. And for me, with all I have done, you know, quote unquote successes, uh, you know, most people don't know about your failures. But with all of that, Cindy, I can say, and I know you can wholeheartedly agree, that if Mm -hmm. I have to say what is the biggest accomplishment of my life, you know, for me, it's my marriage and my children. And I know you love your children with your whole heart and your your grandchildren. If you want to see Cindy happy, uh, go go through her (laughs) pictures of her her and her babes, you know, Um, and and so it's, it's, you know, it's so fulfilling. Um, And no one cheers about that. You don't hear about that on the news. You don't hear people talk about that. You know, it's something Mm, that, you you know, if you ask even the most successful person, they do love their families. And I don't think anybody plans to not be there for the family. The second um, thing that you said that really resonated with me was that when you had an option, um, because in our family, it was a, you know, vasectomy reversal that my husband had, and we did have three subsequent children. But number three, um, uh, Nicholas, was born the same year, or actually I was pregnant, the same year I started Media Angels, my company. 
And so mm. he was, um, you know, born in 95. I started Media Angels, you know, around 92, but like really took it um, forward in 94. And here I was having this baby. So mm-hmm. while I was happy, you know, to be having this baby, especially after our story, it really was the wrong time, you know? And mm-hmm. so I had to, you know, really say what is most important in my life. And I'm a little bit of an older mom and I'm getting a little bit more tired. And it was the only pregnancy out of all of them where my ankles were really swollen. <laughs> I remember oh, yeah. going to sit in my <laughs> car and my kids would put like the groceries in and things like that, the older two. But I have to say that he is such a blessing in my life. Each one of them has their own gifting and their own blessing for the family. But the idea is, if is there a perfect time to have a, a child? Probably not. There probably is no oh, right perfect now. time. You know, <laughs> right yeah. I mean, yeah. But if you want to like sit sit there and say, oh, well, you know, this is coming up and that's coming up and I can't fit it in my schedule. And I just had right. um, Father Pavone on last month because we are in um, the month of December as we record this. And so I had Father Pavone on last month, and he's with the Priest for Life. And he uh, he talked about something that really struck me. And he said, you know, when you talk to somebody who has had something life-altering, like an abortion, you have to understand that they are hurting, and we have to mm-hmm. treat them with love and compassion. So the same thing with you with a miscarriage. If we hear somebody who has had a miscarriage, you know, you lost a child, um, you know, inadvertently. But it was still a lot. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember to be loving and empathetic and just keep our mouths shut. Just say, yeah. uh, you know, this person, I love you and I'm praying for you. And don't put your two cents in. Um, nobody really wants to hear it, you know. And, and um, you know, unless you've gone and you've walked in those shoes and you can share something that might be uplifting. But otherwise, it's just not. And then the third yeah. thing. And, or and even I, just I, listening. Even just listening makes a big difference. You know, you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to, please don't have the answers, better yet. (laughs) Um, Instead, just there's so much strength in just loving and being there as a shoulder to cry on or ear to listen. I think that that Mm that's the most powerful ministry you can have for someone really struggling with a loss like that, you know. I, I was at that point really concerned because I was not feeling well either. And the one of the sweetest things was, for, you know, was whenever I had friends that they were not part of my church even, but they were actually part of my homeschool group in, in the area that they brought food and, and either they would bring it and say, hey, we're going to go unless you need us. And one friend, she sat down with me and she said, hey, I just want you to talk. Can you talk to me? And there was some power there of having someone that really cared because it seemed like at that time, most of the people were like, Hey, how are you doing? I live in the South and really, you know, I'm not dissing on my South because I'm, I, I say I'm, I am um, definitely bona fide Southern. When I grew up in Mississippi, lived in Alabama 20 years and now I'm in Tennessee. I have got it really bad. So anyway, but one bad thing is, do we really care? Do we really want to mm-hmm. know when that person is hurting, because what I experienced was people would call and they'd say, hey, how are you doing? And I would say, I'm fine. But um, but then as soon as they heard me say, I'm fine, then they would go into this, 
um, this this thing of well, then uh, great, I'm glad. I just I was hoping you were. Can you help me with this? And it was really hard for me to be transparent, for me to be real, and for me to feel like people really cared about me and my situation. That they cared about, you know, they that they wanted to hear me say that I was struggling and that I was and that I was battling with the loss. Does that make sense? So it does. to me, when people when people would say, "Okay, just just talk. Can you just talk to me? Tell me what you're feeling." That was so so powerful and um so anyway yeah and it's not yeah, it, they didn't have to have answers I didn't need answers you know I really I think any answers that I did hear at that time were really kind of cruddy answers to be honest right. and um it, it, it didn't help you know and so that there's that thing inside of me I was already literally having such a struggle with the fact that I would reverse my tubal ligation and then my first pregnancy would be a loss or I, mm-hmm. or I'd wait a few more months and, and I would finally get pregnant and then lose the little one. And, um, and things people say don't help, you know, uh, you know, th- it was amazing that people were like, well, you have to, I was like, if I, if I heard that today, I'd probably, I'm not a violent person, but I probably want to punch them in some way. <laughs> you know? Cause I'm like, yeah, it's insensitive. Yeah. That's for sure. It's definitely like, insensitive. You don't have, yeah. you don't have any better answers yeah. than that. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. um, but you're right. But, right. And, and you're right about the abortion thing. You know, um, I haven't ever had an abortion and that could sound self-righteous as a Christian. But you know what? I did for a season take the pill. And I was mortified around the same time I found out, you know, God actually had something to say about me. Um, And this is real personal. But around the same time that he really convicted me about that, I never asked him about having my tooth tied. I never asked him if I should take the pill either. I didn't even think that there was a a thing to ask God about. So um, some people at least have the benefit of they were, you know, trained in, you know, trained up in churches that tell, that teach that. But I didn't have that benefit. I, you know, my church did not address a lot of those practical issues that we need to be prepared for. And the guilt of knowing that, you know, when I didn't conceive babies and I was losing babies, that there was a whole season that I was like going to be inconvenienced by pregnancy to such a level that I felt like I had to take the pill and please take me right here you guys I'm not wanting to condemn because God I don't believe Jesus condemns I believe he convicts and helps us to make better choices in the future and I believe he also brings us to this place of 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 repentance so that we can then impart to the culture truth so when I'm saying this, please don't feel condemned. You please feel convicted if you want to be. But um, and, and if if you don't want to be, feel convicted. But um, for me, the fact that I taken the pill for several years and then didn't conceive babies in a different season later, or did and I lost the you know miscarried. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the guilt that I felt is it's probably not even a portion of the the guilt and the shame and the sadness that someone would feel having felt like their only option was abortion. I wasn't placed in that position with my life, you know, with my pregnancies. However, I did find myself in a position of not knowing what my options could be other than birth control. So I, I, I think I get just a glimpse of where they feel 
that they have feelings and they have feelings of regret or feelings of shame or feelings of guilt. And, and my, my message is, hey, those days, I totally, totally get it. But I also think today is a day to accept the, that the Lord so forgives and he so loves us. And what he is about is about restoration. And he's about our next step. He's about our next decision. And, okay, now I'm in, I'm in menopause. I can't have babies right now. But what am I as a Christian doing today to support mothers that can have babies or fathers that are needing to be a support to their wives or their, their girlfriends or wanting to commit? We have a whole noncommittal culture today <laughs> about marriage right. even. It's even worse right. than it was when I was younger. It's not just that they're anti-family and they're not trusting for population or whatever the things that they are having. It's that we are not even having a committed, we're not even having committed relationships. We're not having marriage because well, then, it's, you know, it's all that. Yeah, it's because, it's because the pill has opened up the doors. There would not be as much promiscuity if there wasn't right. birth control, because that allows for it to happen. Um, there's also uh, something that all of you guys should go look up on YouTube. Dr. Janet Smith has done a lifelong study on birth control and the ramifications of that. She's kind of funny, um, and she does have a couple of, of long videos, but she's got some short stuff as well. But she's a pioneer in that field and has spent her life work going around and talking about it and how the pill is an abortifacient. It doesn't allow if you did have a, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a fetus, it doesn't allow it to attach to the uterus. That's basically it just sloughs right. off, you know, all the cells. And so, you know, knowing that can bring guilt. And I love what you said, Cindy. It's not about condemning it's about convicting change. And that's all we are, you know, here is to share that, you know, there is more to life. Um, and that means putting God first in our lives and praying. Right. Um, you know, there, there is a thing called abstinence. You know, it's not like you have to have you know, 30 <laughs> kids. There is that time. And my husband and I called it the uh, dating. We'd have the honeymoon period and the dating. He always names everything anyway. So at times when it wasn't good, you know, because we did uh, natural family planning has so, so increased in effectiveness. In fact, it's it's just as as effective as the pill. I have information about that in my book, One More Child. But mm-hmm. you can do all these mm-hmm. things with basal temperature and, you know, there's there's all these, these things now that you can do. But anyway, we would call that the dating period. So, you know, he had to, you know, date me at that point and we weren't, you know, um, intimate. And so, you know, there, there were different benefits that came from that, which is a closer relationship with your husband and things that you would never, ever dream that could happen um, in a married couple. And so, you know, there are so many things that we, we miss, um, you know, it's the whole, you know, don't see the forest for the trees kind of a thing. Um, but I right. have loved, you know, you, our friendship. We have known each other for so many years. Um, I'm sure over 20 years at least. And oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and and even though we've never lived in the same state, uh, Cindy, we have worn down cell phone batteries from time to time when we get yes, on the phone we have. and talk. <laughs> but I just, yeah. you are such a wealth of information. And what I really love about Cindy is she's such a cheerleader and she's there for you. 
um, no matter what. And it, it doesn't matter, you know, what your, what your need is. If I need to talk to Cindy, she will make time. Um, and, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, you're going to classes and you're working full time and you're, you know, revamping your ministry. So you have so much going on. But I just thank you because we were talking about this topic, um, not even planning to do a podcast together, just friends talking on the phone. And I asked you to come on mm-hmm. to share your heart because you have both sides of the equation where, you know, um, you did something that you felt the, it was the Lord's will to have your reversal. And yet you didn't have children, but you learned from that experience because God has his hand in everything. And whether it is, you know, the number of kids, because I have good friends who just haven't been able to ever have children. And yet, you know, one of my friends has a gift of music and she created this beautiful album for kids. And she said, you know, the people who listen to her music are her children, her spiritual children. So oh, yeah. God has a plan for each of us, Cindy, and I just, you know, want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your heart with us. Yeah, and you know, I love that you just mentioned that because in the midst of the losses, that was one word that the Lord gave me that was reassuring. And I think he had to give me that word to really know his heart, that he had called me into motherhood. And motherhood um to me is one of the highest callings. I remember when I first um, got married, um, one of the girls I worked with, her mother cross-stitched a picture that had the words, um, the greatest work you'll ever do will be within the walls of your own home. And that is so true that motherhood, it's, it's those children that we have through our bodies, um, our womb, it's the children we have through our hearts. It's the people that we choose to step into their lives and be a spiritual mother. See, I'm in that season um, where that is pretty much, I mean, I'm still a mom and a grandmother, but my my mothering is not limited to what comes through my womb either. It's also those that come through my heart that God places in my in my life. And I don't think it's a small thing. In fact, many, many of our many people in our culture, they really don't have a godly mother or a god. You know, maybe they don't have that relationship with their parents that that they need. They need a mother or a father. In fact, my fiance, which is another whole topic, he is he is just like the most amazing father. He has such a heart that's like God's heart. And um, and mm-hmm. I I think that one of the things that kind of brought us together was we were such a spiritual mother and spiritual father, and it was kind of like we collided that way and. And so, I mean, don't limit what God has as far as, I mean, whether it's um, biological children, definitely don't limit them. Because, you know, again, my story, my long and short short story of that is I just thought that I would always be pregnant and I would have uh, 50 kids and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I had two here, seven in heaven that I know about. I have a feeling there's more in heaven that I don't know about. And ultimately, that is wonderful. I believe that God wanted those little children created, and he knew I was the best mom for them, that I would always love them, and I would make their lives count. Even today, this is making their lives count, and and that I know the feeling that so many of you out there have, you know, about that. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't know that feeling, you haven't felt that, at least now maybe you can come into my heart and see what it feels like to be disappointed or to be um, saddened by the fact that I didn't trust God 
but I can tell you anything, anything from children to being a wife, a mother, um, I just said mother, children, that was what that meant. But anyway, a minister, a um, now a fiance, any area, any role that I need to fulfill, I can trust God on that. The minute that I feel like I get off track is when I start to say, well, I feel like doing this, or I think I should do this. It needs to be I'm doing it because this is God's will. If I'm not sure, that's where he gives us the word, and he gives us godly mentors that can help us to make those life decisions. But it's, can I trust him with this thing? And that's what I love about your show. And what a privilege to get to talk about that because you know what? Nothing else is going to satisfy. Nothing. You can, we can go and we can have a lot of stuff. We can have a lot of things. We can have a lot of accomplishments. We can do a lot of things in our own strength. But at the end of the day or the end of the life is what I'm really meaning by that. We're going to look back and we're going to say, goodness, why didn't I trust God for that one? You know, Mm. what, and, and, and that, that to me is where I've had my regrets in life. Not that they are the crown and the story that I wear. They are the lesson that I want to proclaim God really works. And he does. And so Love it, Cindy. trust him. <laughs> Just trust yeah, him. That is so awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And guys, to get the show notes for today's episode, go to onemorechildpodcast.com and look for the episode, Trusting God for Your Family. I love you, Cindy. Uh, Guys, also check out cindyrushton.com and connect with her on Facebook. And as you can hear, you will be blessed. So take care, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, thank you. You are on your way to a life that is focused on joy and hope. Thanks so much for stopping by. Connect with me on social media. Visit the website at onemorechild.com And visit the podcast page for your show notes at onemorechildpodcast.com. If you have any questions, be sure to write me at felice at mediaangels.com.